Welcome everybody back to another episode of Churn Hacking, a customer success podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nathan. If anyone is interested in or currently working in the field of customer success, or perhaps just considering a career change and you're looking to get involved in this thriving field, uh, this is definitely the podcast for you. We've got a fantastic guest today, really excited to introduce her very shortly. Let's get on with the show. Okay, and today's guest, I am delighted to say, has a wealth of experience in customer success and beyond. Uh, By my reckoning, over 10 years within the field of customer success, uh, possibly considered uh, joining the field during the the pioneering stage. So she's definitely well-placed to to be one of our fantastic panel guests today. Um, She was Vice President of Customer Success at ProfitTech, uh, acquired by Zebra, and now runs the customer success team for Zebra Prescriptive Analytics. We're going to refer to them here on out as ZPA. Welcome to the show, Shannon Hansen. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I can't tell you. It's a real pleasure to have you. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Shannon, um, would you give us the, uh, the, the honor of telling us a little bit about your background and how you got started in this wonderful field of customer success? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. It's it's funny as we you know, have been talking and thinking through, I, I am thinking about the fact that it has been over 10 years now. Um, I actually started in, a, in sales, um, in technology my whole career, um, but started in sales and then moved into account management. Um, and then back in 2009, 2010, um, I was working for a SaaS company, uh, working in web performance monitoring, as a matter of fact, and had the opportunity to be part of starting a customer success team. Um, so since then, I started uh, the first customer success team, moved up and created a full team, moved to another startup, did the same thing there, and then um, moved to ProfitTech about almost two years ago uh, to a more established team, um, and then you know, took that team from 10 to 20 plus people. So I've had quite the ride, a lot of it going from startup to acquisition three times over. So it's definitely been fun. That's fantastic. That's fascinating. What is it about customer success that you find so attractive? Um, everything. Um, I love having my hands in a lot of different places and I love interacting with a lot of different people. So really for me, customer success has been that, that perfect mesh of all of it. Um, I'm able to work internally with every cross cross functional group, as well as with the customers, um, keeping the pulse on the customers. And what's interesting is, yeah, as I worked in account management early on and then moved into customer success, the the part that really excited me was understanding what business problems that they had and being able to tie it back to the technology. Um, And for me, that was probably... It still continues to be, you know, problem solving um, is probably the best way to look at it. And then always seeing what else the customers are going to push us to do. So is that, you know, new new features in the product, new ways of looking at, you know, areas that we haven't looked at before. So that that whole combination is really what excites me. And what I like about that is you said you started out in originally back in the day in account management and then transitioned across to customer success. What how, what were the differences, uh, the main sort of fundamental differences between account management at the time and then what was or what is now customer success? 
Uh, so it's 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 a great question. It's interesting. I remember talking to one of my first customers as I transitioned over and they're like, so how is that different from what you do today? And yeah, a lot of it for me wasn't. Um, but you know, when I look at the differences between account management and customer success, especially back then, um, it was more the focus. Um, a lot of what I was doing was more that uh, in account management was more that strategic um driving towards you know what else in like what else i can sell like and wh- where else like wh- what other areas like that land and expand approach so looking at it saying you know what other you know, what other products or what other parts of the business can i start to explore when i moved into customer success it actually became a lot easier uh, because what i was working with the customer on was a lot of best practices, um, oftentimes what else they could do with the product and the technology. And it often became a much easier conversation around other departments and upsell. So it really, for me, it was, yeah, again, that that component of problem solving and that day-to-day interaction, becoming more of that trusted advisor with the customer and really understanding not just what they were doing today, but what else they could be doing. Um, so for me, it became more know, conversational, um, but a lot of my role didn't feel like it changed that much. That's excellent. I really, I like that, how you've really sort of garnered the idea of account management being very, um, as you say, very commercial driven. I mean, I'd certainly, I think in some organizations, CS is also quite uh, commercially driven as well, but I love it how you went from, as you say, like, what else can I sell them? How much extra can I sell them to? Well, let's look at what you're doing at the moment. Let's see how we can optimize it. Let's see how we can, you can better do what it is you're doing at the moment. And and as you say, becoming that trusted advisor, which I, I think is fantastic. You've been in CSS, uh, CS, as we've said now, uh, for, for well over 10 years. Has, has CS changed much for you in the last 10 years? Oh my gosh, it's night and day. <laughs> it's changed in so many ways. Um, you know, it's it's interesting at the very beginning, um, it felt like a lot of the selling that we were doing was internal selling. Uh, a lot of people were like, customer what? And, you know, what, what are you supposed to be doing in my account? Like, how does that... Yeah, there was a feeling of does that compete with sales? Does that in, how does that interact with sales? Um, and, and I think that's shifted a great deal, especially in the SaaS environment. But quite honestly, I'm seeing a shift where even non-SaaS organizations, I've seen healthcare, I've seen different verticals now starting to shift to look at how they can leverage customer success. Um, so I think just that the word customer success and an understanding within the industry has huge it has a, has had a huge uptick. Um, and the other area where it's shifted greatly that I've seen is we have a bigger seat at the table. Um, in the beginning, there was a lot of where do we put this team? Does it go under? Is it services? Is it sales? Is it support? Um, is it professional services? Does it take away from professional services? So there was really a, you know, a confusion point on where it belonged. And it's interesting because I think that there's still a little bit of identity crisis there today, but it seems to be shifting. Um, it's usually the first question I ask when, when talking to organizations is what does customer success mean to you? Um, so that's the second area. And then I think the third is we're starting to see more chief operating or chief um, customer officers. So we're seeing that that 
that shift um, where the the C, CCO or the chief customer officer now has a seat at the table. And then we're looking at how you build the organization around that department. So instead, you know, you look at companies, I worked for Cisco for for a while um, in my last acquisition. And you could see that shift there where they they hired that chief um, customer officer and underneath is all that post-sales, um, what we consider that post-sales activity and that post-sales working with the customer. And again, putting the customer first and really driving that customer journey. Um, so those are some of the biggest changes that I've seen. Yeah. And I... I- I, I see what you're saying. Like, and I definitely also agree that attitudes have shifted in recent years towards customer success. Um, there is, I also agree with you that there is still definitely a lack in, in organizations of, of the identity, as you say, the true identity of customer success. What should they be responsible for? What element, what areas of the business are they, you know, are, are they responsible for? Be it uh, revenue, be it usage, be it renewals, what the case may be. But do you find even now, and I appreciate, as you said, that, you know, attitudes have shifted, it is getting easier, but do you find even now that it's difficult to get buy-in from the business to align resources to customer success? Um, I, I see that less and less of a challenge, but yes, I think I, where, where I, where I've seen it is you know, how do you, you know, where does it fit into the business? Um, and then more, what is it in the business? Like, like, how do you, like it, customer success can, can sometimes feel like a catch all, um, and you know, so kind of defining what that role is and putting you know, more definition around that. So what we do, how we do it, and um, how we drive revenue within the company and the organization, we're having a lot more conversations around that today. So there's still, you know, there's still a little bit of that. And I think custom, like in general, like I can tell you in the organization I'm working in with Zebra right now, um, they were very much a software company. We came in as a software arm. And even within there, they were you know, trying to figure out like wh- what is the, the role of customer success? Um, you think when people are looking at it at the beginning, it it becomes making sure that it's not competing with other departments or, you know, because it can feel like an overlap sometimes. And, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's really not, it's kind of that, that hub to have the customer have that one person or that one team, and then be able to identify the needs of the customer and then disperse the workload out throughout the organization. Oh, that's excellent. And you you did allude to it very earlier that you spent a significant amount of time, I think about four years, um, where you were director of customer success at uh, CloudLock, which is now uh, Cisco CloudLock. Could you just sort of give us a brief um, idea of, of how customer success operated over there? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, that for me was probably some of the most fun I had <laughs> because I started the team from the ground up um, and and really was able to, to build the building blocks, learning what I had learned from my last organization and put it all into practice. Um, so when we started looking at it from at the cl- at CloudLock, I really started with the, those basics and the best practices, trying to organize um, you know, what it is that we were trying to accomplish 
established how we wanted to work with our customer base and then establishing the the core KPIs along the way. So it started with really just me. Um, and then I built a team team out. But when I built the team out, what was interesting is, you know, kind of looking at it from the, the high touch, mid touch and um, you know, lower touch customer base and putting segmentation into place and then building out um, ways in which we could more successfully onboard them and get them up and running in in the environment. Um, so what I ended up doing there was building out a customer's uh, a training department. So you know traditionally I'd worked with just customer success managers, um, looking at putting you know what what the right. Uh, what the right everything was, what the right you know amount of times we talk to the customers, how we look at success of those customers, and all those different components. Um, but what I found is at CloudLock, I the team put a lot of energy and emphasis on that onboarding stage, um, and really focused on delivering a stellar you know first thirty days, um, which really helped us from there um, continue to keep the momentum with our customers. Um, so it, it was it was a lot of fun uh, building out that team. I took that team from, say, from one person to 10 people from yeah, and supporting our thousand plus customer bases. And then when we went into Cisco and we were acquired by Cisco, um, you know, it, what was interesting is we then became part of a uh, another team. So we started when I was leaving there, we were actually merging two customer success teams together and looking at the best practices between the two teams. Do you know, I love, we have so many um, people listening to this podcast, particularly, uh, and people have reached out to me, they are they are new in the world of CS and they, like you, are tasked with building um, a CS organization from the ground up. Perhaps it might be a small uh, uh, you know, a stage one, series one uh, funding startup, uh, and they're trying to develop a new CS organization. Now, you've actually made a real, pardon the pun, success of that. You know, you were there mm-hmm. at CloudLock. CloudLock were acquired by Cisco. It's now Cisco CloudLock. And, and you, but you built that from the ground up. You built that CS organization from the ground up. So what advice would you give to someone who's, who's tasked with doing that? Where do you start? Where do you start on day one when it comes to building a CS organization? Um, you start with a vision and then you give yourself the permission to go slow throughout that vision. So, it, you know, it was interesting because yeah, right at this point in, in my career, I, I have a formula that seems to work every time. And if you break it down into that formula, there really are those those core components that you look at in customer success. There's, you know, the intake of the customer. So, you know, having a really stellar initial onboarding experience with them. So if you think about that, that handoff from sales to customer success is crucial. And at the beginning, especially it's like, you know, everyone's going a mile a minute, especially in in a startup company. But if you put that structure in place at the beginning, then as you continue to grow and you scale, it'll be much easier. So what what we really focused on and what I've always focused on is that you know, having a very clear and solid handoff from sales to customer success, uh, making sure that there's an external onboarding with your customer. So right from the beginning, the customer knows who you are, what your role is, and what they can 
expect and experience throughout the process. Um, so once you set those expectations um, and define what onboarding is, it becomes much easier to then say, okay, this is what I'm doing in onboarding. And then this is what I'm doing in ongoing and how I, and I go through the renewal process. Um, but really it's it's being agile in those first couple of first couple of months and you know kind of as you grow the team starting to identify what um, what you need to do and what is important for your customer base and that shifts every time so what could be um, you know important when you're starting out with your customers and what could be important later on could shift based on the product maturity the you know the customers maturity in the marketplace and there's so many factors so you know, my advice is be agile know what the formula is but then be able to adapt within um, the second piece of information and advice I could give is when you're looking to build the team, um, I, I always look at where the gaps are. Um, and that's something that I've been successful in um, at CloudLock and also um, in the ZPA world and before that, and I pride myself on that, is trying to understand, you know, you can't have, you, you don't want clones of the same person. Um, and a lot of people will ask, um, you know, what is the, the makeup of a customer success manager? And I would say that it varies based on your business and where you are in the stage of that business. So where I was really successful is trying to say, you know, okay, right now I have a really strong team that is really good on the technology side. Now I need someone that has a, a strong project management background. Now I need someone that has more of that sales mentality with a technical, you know, that understands the technology, but can help drive more of that personal relationship. So as I've, you know, I would, I would say, be open and think about where the gaps are and then build your team based on those gaps. Excellent advice. So be open, be agile and be ready for, for change as you need. That's fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate that. I would really like now to uh, move on to your, your current position over at uh, Zebra Prescriptive Analytics. Could you, so for those of us who are initiated, could you sort of tell us a little bit about what, you, uh, what they're doing over at ZPA? Uh, sure. So we are a retail prescriptive analytics company. So we're working with a lot of very large retailers. And uh, the goal is to put prescriptive actions into the hands of the users that can can do something about it. So if you think about analytics as a whole, it's there's a lot in within the analytics space. And we're really um, looking to to give it to, to provide analytics to to the people um, at the edge. Um, so it's it's working with a lot of uh, a lot of retailers, a lot of um, store managers, um, and get, basically instead of them trying to decipher through all of the data, we've basically done the hard work, and we're basically just giving it to them in a nice box and saying, "Here are the three things that you do need to do next." Um, so it's it's been really exciting. It's been really interesting uh, with all of the the changes. Uh, especially in retail over the last six to nine months with COVID. Fantastic. And, and where does customer success at ZPA fit into all that? 
Uh, we are at the heart. <laughs> at least that's a, that's how it feels. I mean, customer success is really driving. We're a very high touch um, customer success organization. Uh, what we do is you know is very technical, um, and you know how we work with our customers is on a, a very regular basis. So you know when I look at the customer success team, I do look at that as um, the voice of the customer uh, within. ZPA itself, um, as well as the you know, the voice of ZPA back to our customers. Um, so we're internally we're working with all of the core stakeholders, um, and then with the customer, we're working on a, a very regular basis, tying you know their business challenges to our technology. Oh, fascinating. That's a really, really great insight. And um, how does it work in terms of the the structure? How is the CS structure currently set up there at ZPA? So right now, um, yeah, we have a, 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 like, as I mentioned, we have a very high touch model. Um, so right now we're, we have uh, a couple of different teams underneath customer success. Uh, the two core teams that are working with our customers are our customer success managers and our, anal- our customer success analysts. Um, so what we've done is over, we, we started out with kind of, you know, just looking at, we've, we've tried a d- couple of different models. Um, we started out looking at, um, you know, customer success managers and analysts that had, um, skill sets within the the sales module or an inventory module or had grocery grocer experience or certain types of retail experience um and especially as we built the team trying to you know look at what the best fit model was um and over the course of the last couple of months we've actually shifted that a little bit and we've moved into more of a team based model and more of a regional based model uh so that we have a customer success manager and an analyst working together on a a series of accounts um, and that that's really helped from a couple of different areas. Um, it's helped from that team building internally. It's also helped from a workload perspective where two people can you know, know what's on each other's plates a little bit more and uh, drive, help drive the business forward much faster. Um, and then what we've done is we have a, a level of subject matter experts that could come in and also be available. Uh, so that's that's been the way we've we've started to run it. In addition to that, um, I have started to build out a training arm of customer success. So as we you know, continue to work with customers, as we continue to scale, um, making sure that that the customers have that list of materials uh, that they can go to more online and be more agile in their own training needs to um, augment and offset some of the work that we're doing with our customers and make our work more, um, more personalized um, so that they have a lot of what's already being done with you know, what they can do in the product, but then we're really working with them on what's important to their business. Um, and then the last team that I, I've worked on, I have a program manager as well. Um, that works, you know, kind of across customer success, looking at the next level of programs that we're working on. Um, and then it's more technical team that's really responsible for that, um, helping support that onboarding and implementation and that more technical implementation components. So you've switched recently in terms of a, a CS practice over to a more, uh, as you say, team-based uh, customer success management. What what was the reason for that change? What was the catalyst that brought that? In fact, a couple of questions. What what is the catalyst that 
required that change to be made? And how has the the transition been in terms of, has it been quite easy uh, with the guys now working in in teams as opposed to individually? Or has it required like a real uh, culture shift in terms of uh, working practices? Uh, it's that's a great question, and, and it's interesting because I always uh, I always get a little nervous when I'm taking anyone out of an account because of the relationships that they've built within. Uh, the catalyst was a was a few. Uh, it, it really started with as we were building out the teams, we had that opportunity. Um, I took I had almost a hundred percent growth. I had a team of ten people when I started, and I built that over to, to twenty plus now. Now within. Um, so where we started was there was a lot of people that were cross-trained. A lot of the team members were cross-training. They were in kind of two or three people within an account to make sure that you were able to give them the, the opportunity to really understand the product, understand the customers, and really give them a big uh, or a uh, all-encompassing view of our customer base. Um, and that what, what we think really changed it was a couple of things. One is we wanted to align internally. Um, sales right now is regional. Um, so we wanted to be able to align with sales. And then we also wanted to align when we were going to customers. Um, again, with the high-touch model, we were traveling quite a bit um, at the time. So it just started to make logistics. Uh, from a logistical standpoint, it made sense to make sure that you had, you know, if you were visiting a certain region or an area, that you could visit more than one customer there. And then looking downstream, as we start looking at you know customers in areas those small regional user groups or ways we can start to connect customers together it started to make more sense to do it that way as for that reason as well um so that's that was the kind of the catalyst behind it um and then from a you know kind of that shift over within the organization we took it really slow um we identified at the beginning where there was you know where we were already aligned within those regions and then where and where we needed to align you know how we brought the new uh members of the team in and to, made sure that the customer felt like they were always supported um, that it wasn't kind of, okay, you're here today, you're here tomorrow, that there was a, a period of time where there was some overlap to ensure that the customer uh, felt comfortable and there was nothing dropped with, you know, with the initiatives that we we're driving forward within the customers. Uh, so it, so far, it's been really good. And I can honestly say it was uh, a smoother transition than ones I've seen in, in past lives. So actually, that is talking about transition. That transitions very nicely onto my next question, which is about um, experiences you've had in the past, which maybe, uh, well, maybe not something you've experienced yourself, but maybe you've seen yourself, which hasn't quite worked out. So, in terms of building customer success teams, which you've done evidently very successful at CloudLock and uh, ZPA, but what mistakes have you either? If, if, if you're able to, have you, have you made yourself in, in terms of building teams or have you witnessed yourself that you think, wow, you know, this is a mistake I've made. I've learned from it. Um, and, and you've gone on to better yourself from there. But what mistakes, what, what are the challenges, let's say, uh, have you faced in your, uh, in your building of your customer success uh, organizations? Oh, that's a that's a great question. And I, don't, I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot there. Uh, instead that's of mistakes, okay. instead of mistakes, yeah. we'll say challenges. 
I think it's a, you know, it's funny because now I'm thinking through that. Um, and, and I always say, you know, you, you learn from all of them and you don't do the same, same again. Um, but I, I think you know, for me, some of the early, early challenges, mistakes, um, I think it is a combination of both is being so focused on a feature of a product and not the vision of where the customers need to be. So that sounds a little odd, but what I mean by that is oftentimes I found, we found ourselves like, you know, in the startup mode in particular, and this is part customer success and just part like startup, you're driving so fast um, with your customers, trying to understand what their needs are. You're trying to, you know, build the airplane as you're, you know, flying it at the same time. And oftentimes uh, we, we get so focused on like, they need this, they need this, they need this, they need this. And we're trying to like put all these new features and functions into the product. And I think sometimes it's, it's that ability to go back and understand what the business challenges are and what the use cases are and try to get out of that feature mode and get into use case mode. Um, so, you know, customer success, I think we do an amazing job of that. Um, so where we've made mistakes in the past is like going back to development teams and working with development saying a customer needs X, Y, Z, and really what they, they might need that, they might need that, but, but it's not necessarily in the way we're describing it, um, so taking that higher level back to the customers and understanding those challenges and presenting the challenges to your internal stakeholders, um, for me, has has worked wonders over the years. And it was some of those early mistakes. Um, the, the other thing is, I'm trying to think, I'm sure I have multiple <laughs> um, as we've built, a, built out. The other, the other mistake I think I would say is, um, that I've learned from is looking at putting the structure in place earlier. And I mentioned that earlier in the conversation, but a lot of times when you're starting out like Salesforce, I'll give an example of that. A lot of times like sales, if you think about a startup or, you know, even the kind of that mid tier sales often is that, that front part of that front runner. They're using Salesforce or looking at their, their prospects or pulling them into the opportunities. Um, one of the things that I wish I had done earlier was outline the customer journey and drive that through a, a CRM type of tool um, so that even if we weren't ready for it, that the infrastructure was there so that as you're getting your customers on board, that you're already thinking about that total lifetime value. You're already looking at, you know, what are some of those early metrics that I want to track and how do I think I want to um, like, how do I want to put, what metrics do I want to put in place? You can change the metrics, but at least starting to hypothesize through what some of those early metrics could be so that you have that baseline as you get started. I think a lot of times we're running so fast uh, that we, you know, we need to take that step backwards. Excellent advice. And the first point you made regarding uh, the uh, being too feature, how can I say being too feature focused? Um, yeah. as a CSM. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and trying to really sort of go back to the client and understand the challenges that they're facing rather than just delivering a list of sort of empty features to, to the product team. It doesn't really, uh, work that way. And I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, 
Sticking with the with the ZPA for the time being, would you mind giving me sort of like a high level view of how your uh, KPIs and the metrics um, work over there? Yeah. So uh, right now, from a KPI standpoint, um, we you know, we're focusing a lot on the basics. Um, we're focusing on a strong onboarding. Um, strong adoption and user adoption within the product. Um, looking at it from you know now what other areas, um, what other solutions that, that they can use. So looking at it from an upsell perspective and then driving through to that renewal are the four core KPIs. Um, within them, we're we're now in that that position where we're starting to you know look at at baseline metrics, look at customer health scores, um, and trying to get more prescriptive, um, ironically, in you know, what and how we're um, addressing our customers. So identifying risks earlier on in the process. So you mentioned uh, one of the key KPIs then is strong onboarding. Correct. How is that defined? Um, well, <laughs> we're, we're still, and I'll be a, a little transparent in this, we're still trying to figure out, um, you know, what, how we're defining it. Um, we've done a lot of work. I'll go backwards a little bit. We've done a lot of um, work over the last uh, six months in particular around the customer journey. Um, in as a whole. So, you know, kind of from sales to customer success and, and throughout the process, what those different touch points are and by who within the organization. Um, so when we, we identified that, what we saw is when we've had a successful onboarding within a set period of time, the, the customer... Um, the customer happiness is, is, is that much stronger. Um, so we're really driving towards um, that first round. And our onboarding process is a little different. Uh, we generally work in two phases because of the complexity and the technology. Our first phase is what we call that initial rollout stage. So when we focus on onboarding, um, we're really focused on that that initial rollout and that what we we now call the minimal lovable product. Um, so making sure in that first three month period of that initial rollout that we have identified the core the core business requirements and desired outcomes of our customer that we've been able to deliver upon that and that we've been able to generate our initial value to that customer in that first three months. Um, so much of it, the way we've, we've been starting to track that has been a series of uh, ensuring ROI, which in our product is actually very easy to do. Um, and we're very fortunate in that. Um, we're getting early customer stories. So the wins from our customers tend to be where we're really focused in that initial IRO and that, that phase one. And then we're having a series of um, steering committees uh, throughout those first three months uh, that we're, we're driving to ensure alignment from the top uh, to the, from the strategic components to the tactical components. Uh, so if I, I think about it from a KPI standpoint, those are really the top three, P, three KPIs we're looking at in that initial IRO, which is the, the steering committee, the use cases, and the, the ROI. Um, 
Excellent I insights. Hope that, that helps. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's uh, you've given us some great insight into uh, into the KPIs there. Very, uh, very interesting, actually. And I think uh, those listening could really uh, sort of pick quite a few um, best practices there from what you've shared. I'd like to move the conversation uh, on a little bit and actually. To be honest with you, I've been asking this question since I started this podcast about six months ago, and I can't believe it's still um, a, a relevant question today. But COVID, how yes. how has COVID nineteen affected um, operations at ZPA? Whether it's you know the the, the operations on the day to day level from your side, or even the the impact it's had on your client base. How how are things going over there from that viewpoint? Uh, it's It's been really interesting. And I think we've all seen it at the beginning. Everyone was you know, trying to figure out you know, how they shift, what they do next, um, and you know, what that, that new normal, so to speak, looks like. Um, from our standpoint, it, there was a couple of different points of impact. Um, one, as I mentioned at the beginning, we work in retail. Uh, we, we definitely saw a shift from our customer base where many of our customers were operating um, at a, a much different capacity. There was a lot of furloughs early on. Um, fortunately, we've seen um, that business continue to uptick again. Many that were furloughed are back to work. Um, from a customer success standpoint, a lot of our time was really spent working with those retail customers and trying to understand what we could do to help them, what we could do to augment some of the work um, that they were doing, and you know how we could work differently with them. Uh, so that was that was a big area of, of change and impact. Uh, the others that I've seen recently are, um, you know, it, it did afford us the ability to uh, to look outside of the Boston area where we're based and and look at different talent. Uh, so, you know, my team was primarily within the Boston region before COVID. Um, I had a few few members, you know, scattered throughout. But now the the larger majority of my team is in various pockets throughout you know, the the U.S. right now. So I have people in Ohio, Florida, North Carolina. Uh, so it did really afford us to look at talent uh, across other areas um, and still really be connected. Uh, so that that's been that's been a another big change. Um, and the last thing is how we interact with our customers has shifted a great deal. Uh, the the biggest probably being, as I mentioned before, we're a very hands on and on site team. So training um, and how we get our customers up to speed. A lot of that was done going there, having you know, kind of being able to be there for two three days, doing you know some workshops, being able to look at your customers. Customers um, being able to see facial expressions, going out to dinner, getting to know them, um, which really breeds that relationship piece of it, um, and, and that's that's shifted um, quite a bit. Um, and we're we're looking at new ways of doing that. So, do we, you know, in training sessions, for example, even with our customers, do we try like how do you get that that personal relationship that that keeps it going even through you know difficult conversations or whatever else is happening? Uh, do you, you know, what is the right uh, an amount of time to 
to work with your customers before both of your you know, saturation overflow as far as information. So a lot of what we're doing now is trying to shift all of that um, into these varying ways um, and, and still try to use cameras. But at the same time, I think, yeah, there's a lot of Zoom fatigue happening right now. So yeah, a lot of it is has shifted. I am really hoping that we get back to work and get back to airplanes uh, in the very near future. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you say that, and, and but what I've been hearing as well is that um, whilst there has been a shift to a lot more, obviously, uh, remote meetings, and as you say, Zoom fatigue and, and whatnot, um, indeed, this, uh, this very interview we're having here has been conducted by Zoom. But in some yeah. ways, <laughs> in, in some ways, what I've heard is that some CSMs are saying that they, they feel that even a, a, a sort of a closer connection to their client now, um, because of the uh, impact on maybe the CSM's business, it might be on the client's business, but because now people are, how can I say this, are kind of like in it together, you see, because yeah. this is such a global issue that's affecting everyone. And in some ways, relationships I've been hearing have been even sort of become even stronger as a result of this, regardless of the fact that, as you say, that there's no airplane journeys, there's no face-to-face -face meetings. But yeah, I mean, for sure, um, you know, please God, you know, we, we, all get, uh, <laughs> we all get back to as close to, to normal as possible soon. I would agree with that. It's it's actually funny that you say that um, because, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, especially um, early on, you know, we were all dealing with, um, you know, kind of what this looks like. We all have, you know, many, many people had children. I remember, um, you know, working with customers and having, you know, having a couple where, their their children were on the Zoom with them, and then some. The, the CSM would bring their children on, exactly. and they're waving to one another. And yes, yeah, so there was there was absolutely a lot of of that level of camaraderie, and I still see that. I mean, I think a lot of the conversations are are now around like back to school, um, you know that that remote learning, you know what people are doing, and so there there is a lot more of that that sharing component of it that is happening. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss that in any way, shape or form. Cause it, it has, it has definitely bonded people in different ways and it's allowed us to um, look at, you know, different ways to, you know, keep, keep team, like kind of to get to know the teams, you know, before it was water cooler conversations or you'd see someone in the kitchen. Um, and it's really, you know, I, I just did, um, you know, my all hand, like some all hands meetings and I started to mix up the way I did it, like adding surveys, adding, you know, kind of time just to talk as a, as a team to kind of keep that camaraderie going. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot more of that, um, that is absolutely happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point that you make as well. And in fact, a few hours earlier before this interview, I had a meeting, uh, just like a, a weekly sync with one of my CSMs. And I had to look after my uh, almost five month old daughter. Um, because my wife was out picking something up and, and for the first time ever she was like you know we were doing a, a, a zoom meeting and I had to sort of I was like holding my daughter and I I think the CSM on the on, was on the uh, on the other line was like wow Dan is a he's a human being he's an actual you know he has a life outside work and and there's his daughter and I think it, it sort of uh, it definitely helps in that in that relationship so yeah I uh, I agree with you there um you 10 years ago you entered into the field of customer success but 10 years from now where do you see customer success? Do you see it stagnating? Do you see it growing in terms of uh, changing attitudes and, and, and uh, maybe 
being deemed as more important and more fundamental to businesses? Or do you, do you feel it's sort of uh, staying where it is now? What's your view on customer success 10 years from now? Oh, I think we're just getting started. Uh, <laughs> we're in that that really fun stage right now. Um, I, I honestly see it becoming more and more of just part of of peop- of the organizations that we're in. Um, that customer first focus um, is be. I think it's always been there, but I, I do feel that the the way we're working and shift working with our customers has shifted. Um, you, you hear the terminology, you know. Um, vendor versus trusted advisor. Um, and that that's really where I see customer success going. Like we're not, you know, it takes it from a vendor to a partner. Um, and, it, and it also takes it from one team to uh, culture within an organization. And that's where I see customer success being, you know, more and more a part of that change. Um, within companies, really being able to, to drive that change and that, that focus from, from product to, you know, business, business cases and use cases that we're helping our customers solve. Um, So I, I think it's quite the opposite. I think, you know, the, you're going to see more uh, chief customer officers, chief, you know, and that, that type of, of title uh, be brought into um, all customers, you know, all companies throughout and, and focusing and having that focus on the customer. In your words, we are just getting started. That's, we are uh, just getting started. <laughs> and long, long may it continue. I've got to tell you, uh, Shannon, this has been uh, a fantastic uh, uh, podcast interview. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to you and getting your insights. It's been fascinating. I have one final question for you. Uh, we sure. alluded to it before, obviously, in the we're still in the in the dawn of COVID. Um, more now than ever, people in SaaS and beyond are considering career changes, maybe as a result of furlough. Um, or otherwise. And people are considering now coming in, as you say, more and more people now are getting into the, the CS field. What advice would you give to a, uh, a, a someone who's looking to get into the customer success management field, perhaps for the first time? What advice would you like to give them uh, to help them get started? Uh, that, to give them to get started. Um, I would say... Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, or even, you know, it's get started or what advice would you, would you give them? What one piece of advice would you perhaps want to, want to help them, uh, once they're in the role, uh, to help them, uh, perform better, let's say. Hmm, that was, that was a little bit easier. I, I think that there's, <laughs> that's my there's, bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's okay. Um, I'm just kind of thinking through because they're kind of, they're two different, um, ways of looking at it. Um, but, but I would, I would say, you know, someone getting started, be naturally curious. Um, that's probably the best piece of advice, especially in customer success is constantly ask the whys. Um, understand from your customer, you know, not not necessarily what they're trying to do, but why they're trying to do it. I think oftentimes we stop at the customer saying to us, I need X, and we don't understand the true reason behind it. So if having that natural curiosity and getting to the why has, you know, where I've seen customer success managers do that, they're they're always successful because they're always putting that customer first. So always be curious. That's fantastic, (laughs) fantastic advice. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this 
episode. My huge thanks to Shannon Hansen, uh, absolutely fantastic guest. Shannon there um, runs a CS team for Zebra Prescriptive Analytics. We've been referring to as ZPA. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for your time. I've I've had fun. I've learned so much, and I hope it's been uh, a good experience for you. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please remember to subscribe to this podcast so you receive all upcoming episodes to wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for listening to Churn Hacking, a customer success podcast. Until next time, take care.